0: And Welcome to Open Mind UFO Radio. I am your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I am joined this week by Mr. Martin Willis. Hello, sir. Hello. I'm just playing Martin Willis. I
1: like that. It's Do a, you? It's a new look for me. Yeah, yeah. usually,
0: uh, for listeners who not, might not be aware, I give Martin a nickname. Uh today I did not for unknown reasons but uh the <laughs> nicknames I give Martin are for unknown reasons as well they just kind of come out and uh and we'll have a new one next week.
1: <laughs> well, I think today's nickname is fitting actually. Just blank. Yeah, blank slate. Blank. So I want to tell people about the
0: show. This show, uh, Open Mind GFO Radio, is about credible UFO news and information. We take more of a journalistic perspective where we're looking at substantiated information. Now, we do speculate, but uh, we'll, we'll let you know when we're speculating. But, uh, you know, we're not all full of speculation like a, a lot of this field can be. Uh, we also, at the beginning of the show, review news before we get to our guests. So Martin joins me with the news. That's the first segment for some odd reason. And uh, I don't recommend it. But if, if you want to go straight to the interview, which some do, you know, that's about 25 minutes in. So you can skip and go straight to that. But first, we'll cover the news after I tell you who my guest is. And my guest it this week is Kevin Day. And, uh, Of course, we've been talking a lot about this Pentagon UFO project and the New York Times story, and I've been interviewing, you know, Leslie Kane who helped write the story, and, and all of these people related to it. But I have not yet spoken to one of the witnesses to the case that kind of came out with this Pentagon UFO news, this 2004 Nimitz UFO encounter. So this is my first time interviewing one of the witnesses. Uh, Kevin Day was a radar operator on the USS Princeton. So he is the guy who essentially vectored in, uh, Commander David Fraver who was the F-18 pilot to go check out this uh, UFO essentially. and so we'll talk to Kevin about that. He's a great guest and uh, what was also really cool, Martin you'll like probably find this interesting. It is – first of all, of course, the Navy news uh, announcing that they're going to be coming up with UFO protocols or that they did was a big deal to him. But he also has a lot of really positive things to say about To the Stars and their involvement with that and his – and in particular, Lou Elizondo and his relations with them, which I think is important because, of course, I've got this upcoming interview with Lou in a few weeks and I'll I'll update you all on that. But it's also important because people – Keep calling into question uh, Lou Elizondo's integrity, and uh, which is to me, and I want to hear your honest opinion, Martin. Which is to me a little bit curious because I don't think Lou Elizondo's conduct at all has has really raised uh, any reason for question and in fact as time got, has gone on uh, all of the things he said have, for the most part have been verified so i don't know do you have any skepticism towards towards elizondo
1: not nothing really you know after meeting him and and, and speaking with him uh face to face i i don't i don't have any feeling i i think what has happened or Partially what has happened here is there's been some times where the UFO community has felt burnt before, um, you know, Bill Moore case going way back to the 1980s and, um, you know, like the uh, Roswell slides. And, you know, I mean, there's there's so many times yeah. what we've gotten our hopes up, you know, in the field and only to be crushed. And I think um, I think but not you and that, I, you and
0: I are very bright <laughs> <laughs> to pat ourselves on the back. We typically don't fall for... Like, the, the Roswell slides, you and I, right off the bat, were like, oh, yeah, major eye roll, you know? Yep. We didn't yep. really fall for that. Although, you know, certainly, uh, to your point, every time there's this big, supposedly, oh, big UFO announcement, it never happens. But it's
1: now happening. It seems it seems really close. And, and you know, I got to watch the screener um, for Unidentified. Mm. We were talking about that. And, uh, oh... That was re- That's really, really good. And that's coming out, what, in the end of this month? Just yeah, the-
0: May 31st. Oh, and that yeah. was going to be my update re- regarding Lou Elizondo, because there's probably some people listening here saying, wait a second, I thought you were going to interview Lou. And I have been teasing you guys. And Lou's been teasing me, but it's not necessarily <laughs> his fault. In a way, maybe. <laughs> but uh, essentially, you know, he didn't realize when you're part of a TV program, especially when you're the main character, uh, they kind of uh, – to dictate, you know, uh, when you do interviews. So, right. you know, when I talked to him a month or so ago, and he's like, Yeah, it's time to do an interview. Let's do an interview. And then he was like, Well, I've got to check with them. So I'm sure they'll let me do it next week. You know, he didn't get a hard date. Now we do have a hard date. So I'll be interviewing him the weekend after the show launches. So the show will be after Ancient Aliens on May 31st. Immediately after that, uh, that weekend, I'll interview Lou, so the the next show after that will be my interview with Lou Elizondo, so that's how that's going to go, but um, I'm glad you got to see the show, so it's not just me out there saying this show's really good. Thus far, I've talked to Ryan Sprague, who's watched it. I haven't really talked to MJ a whole lot about his opinions. Maybe if you have, you, you could share that, but uh, everybody I've talked to so far that have seen it thinks it's really good,
1: and I think it is, too. Well, I got to say, it's probably the best thing I've watched on TV. Wow! Um, in regards to UFOs, it was really that good. Wow! You
0: have know, you read uh, what MJ? Do you know what MJ Benice? And and he's just another podcaster guy out there. And the reason I ask yeah. about him is just uh, he's a cool kid, and uh, he's a bit skeptical. He can be a little more um, critical than maybe right. you or I. So it's it's interesting to hear what he may have to say.
1: Yeah, I haven't talked to him. He is going to be on my show next week, but I oh, haven't okay. I haven't talked to him. Uh, yet about about that but so yeah they, he is uh, he does reviews he's really for anyone that doesn't know this he does great great re- reviews on youtube uh w- on a weekly basis
0: yeah so and, he has uh, one out there You people can look it up but i guess i'll also be able to hear on your podcast what he thinks
1: yeah that's true you're gonna listen wow i'm honored
0: no i said they can not me oh oh
1: oh oh, oh yeah i <laughs> just kidding yeah i sure oh know.
0: you know yeah. what? what mj's gonna be on my next podcast
1: <laughs> you. well, that two timer so
0: we're going to have. He is two timing us. So that'll yeah. be on, at the same time. So that's so funny. And the reason I, I didn't I was just thinking I should look at my schedule because I have a few people uh, already in the pipe for my next interviews. And I was thinking I should share with people what that is. And then I just realized, yeah, I'll be talking to MJ. Of course, MJ's trying to do the rounds out there because he has a new book out there called UFO People. So he wants to talk about that. So we'll talk to him. Maybe I'll debate him a little bit on uh, some of the the Lou Elizondo and the the show stuff. And uh, that ought to be a lot of fun. So uh, we'll try to talk to you about you know maybe we should coordinate a little bit too and you tell me what topics you want to talk about and i'll talk about my topics that way we can make sure we cover different topics with them not a bad idea not a bad idea and then the week after that i'll have dr bob davis and he's very interesting a neuroscientist who has been looking into abduction i've had him on the show before but he's got a new book out as well and then the week after that will be lou and then the week after that i'm very excited about uh will be nick pope so that's gonna be a lot of
1: fun he's in the news today
0: yeah exactly we'll be talking about him in just a second when we cover the news so that's what's upcoming so lots of exciting things to look forward to but i guess
1: let's go ahead and get into the news all right well i want to start out today um Uh, This is from the News uh, 5 in Cleveland, and uh, local UFO videographers believe Northeast Ohio is a UFO hot, a UFO sighting, hot zone. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, people may call it, people in the trade, so to speak, call it a a different, you know, term than that, but you get the gist of what they're saying. So anyway, they're on this uh, website. You can check it out. There's a about a three minute and forty second video that shows all these different videographers that have you know pieced together their their sighting films and there's some really good video on there. Um, There's a number of uh, V formation, you know, triangle. Uh, These are all lights in the sky for the most part. There's one video that actually shows some type of object um, at the very end of the at the very end of the the roll. But anyway, um, the uh, different people that have taken these films have all one thing in common they said you know these sightings have changed their life uh, now there's one guy that's a a long time um ufologist there dale dale harder is his name and cleveland ufology project and it's uh, one of the oldest ufo organizations i had never heard of it but uh, it was established back in 1952 and uh, he said that you know, basically the Cleveland area is basically a hotspot. And according to MUFON, there are, uh, I think it's number five, uh, the Ohio's number five in the UFO sightings um, reported per year. So, uh, you know, it's right next to the lake. There's always seems to be some something going on over the Great Lakes. And uh, that's where some of these um, objects seem to you know, be generated from like, I don't know exactly out of the lake or just over the lake or or what. But anyway, uh, check out the video on that. It's a great, uh, like I said, it's about three minutes and 40 seconds, but it's a great video. And, um, you know, right over Lake Erie, a number of uh, shots of different formations and lights in the sky and objects moving toward each other and stuff. Uh, Check it out.
0: Yeah, I think uh, there's a few that are interesting, but to me, because I'm familiar with a lot of these cases too, a lot of these are, some are birds, some are aircraft. The Lake Erie ones, I think, are all mostly, if not completely aircraft, often the distance. Um, you know, researchers have already looked at these. A lot of these are reflections and uh there's another story I have listed here. Of course, everybody can find these headlines at openminds.tv. And uh, you had looked at this one, too. This, uh, I think this was a, yeah, flying saucer UFO filmed in Glasgow City Center. Terrible video. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> because what happens, and this is this confuses people a lot. But it's it's demonstrated very well in this this video on the Daily yeah. Record, which is another link I have there. Because I'm j- I'm mostly linking. I want people to know what's going on in the mainstream media. What is the mainstream media re- covering on UFOs? And a lot of times they're covering things that you know they're not as as uh, savvy about. You know, really analyzing. So you see this light flickering, very bright light. And every time the bright light lights up, you see uh, this this, what appears to be an object on the other side of the screen uh, in the picture. But what that is, is it's a reflection. Um, It's exact timing, too. Yeah, exact timing. So it's obvious. But a lot of these pictures in this uh, video from um, the ohio northeast ohio are the same thing a lot of these you see like uh you know these really bright objects just off screen or just barely uh there or or you know in on the screen and what happens when your camera and you can do this at night and this happens so much is if you try to film a bright light it's going to have a reflection in your camera and if mm-hmm. you move your camera around uh and the bright light moves around then that light's going to appear to move around the other thing that happens because i remember this case too There's a case where there is a—and this happens a lot over over the Luxor in Las Vegas because it has a bright light shooting straight up. And there Mm. are some skyscrapers that do that. They're really lit. So whenever a bird flies in the area, it looks weird because it gets really lit up by these bright lights. And another Mm. of those images, I'm, I'm certain, is that I remember that case. So a lot of these are mistaken identity. Not all, I don't think, uh, are resolved cases as far as I know, but the vast majority are. And I know a lot of the Lake Erie people get frustrated when I say this because a lot of think people say, oh, there's a mystery going on there. But, you know, there's a lot of really good researchers who have carefully looked at all of that and because uh, they're old cases. And you can find them in Open Minds if you go look back
1: in the, the records there. So Dale Harder from that um – investigation uh, are you familiar with his work Because i mean it, it sounds like he's been looking into what they had in that clip yeah in the
0: uh or is that the lake erie one yes uh, i would have to go back and look but yeah, yeah. at least so far I, I personally have not seen a convincing lake erie one that hasn't been explained by people who are much more capable at video analysis than i am Mm. Like our good buddy, Mark D'Antonio, who does analysis for uh, MUFON. In fact, he was very involved with looking at uh, these videos back in the day when they started coming around. And, he's a dream uh,
1: crusher, Mark.
0: He Mark. is, and he he's one of the guys who crushed <laughs> my dreams with this story, actually. But yeah, <laughs> yeah let's get into no, more it's stories. Good to have. Because I want to try to at least talk yeah. about all the stories we have on here, and there's quite a few. Uh, you right. had mentioned this other one. Uh, I typically do not link to – I link to mainstream news, and I try not to link to uh, the tabloids, especially the UK tabloids, because they have a lot of craziness, You know, like Bat Baby and all that kind of thing. And they're going crazy with all kinds of alien stuff. But Nick Pope will sometimes contribute or talk to the tabloids, and I do as well sometimes. But Nick Pope always does a good job when they're interviewing him. And of course, he worked for the MOD, the Ministry of Defense, investigating UFOs for a period of time. Well, he was inspired by the Navy recently saying that they're going to come up with the UFO protocols to actually write up some protocols and tell the MOD, hey, we need to do the same thing. You really need to take this seriously in a public manner. Like you used to, because up until 2008, they did. And he wrote up some protocols he feels that they need to uh, adopt. So, And this was written up in a story in the Metro. Ministry of Defense urged to reopen X-Files and take UFO sightings seriously. And who's urging them? Nick Pope. Nick Pope. So you could see his list here of his ideas about what they should do, but essentially it's just, uh, taking them seriously. So that's really cool. I hope he gets somewhere with that. Some people have asked, well, wh- what's the big deal with Nick Pope? Why does he think he's going to have some pull? What well, he does, he actually does some media consulting with the, uh, MOD when they, they do UFO stories. He still oh. has connections in the government. So, yeah, if anybody's going to do it, you know, he's someone that uh, does have some pull with the government yeah. over there still to make that happen.
1: I was going to ask you if they would take him seriously. I know, you know, I think so. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Um, he's given in an effort. And I don't know, um, you know, it says a letter he wrote, you know, this is a so I'm sure he's actually addressed it directly to them. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. So a couple other stories that I linked to were related to the Navy thing. Uh, of course, yeah. uh, the Navy, I didn't link to these stories because we had a bunch of those last week where the Navy was saying we're not going to share information. But again, uh, an update. And it is our an Open Minds exclusive where Lou did tell me that, uh, and and we'll interview him about this, but that it's not true. That, uh, you know, to the stars, we've heard this from Chris Mellon and Tom DeLonge, and I've heard it from Lou, they all had an a integral part in getting the Navy to uh, do this, to take these seriously. And so they do have some links to the background. And Lou says, the Navy is going to share raw data that is going to be classified with their leadership and with Congress. And then that will all be synthesized into a public release. So they will release publicly uh, some public information about what they're getting there on a regular basis. So we... That's pretty
1: amazing, really.
0: Exactly. It is amazing. So I know we're going to get regular updates on UFOs from the Navy. How crazy is that?
1: Yeah, I think I think it's a, you know, I mean, people always ask, I'm sure they ask you too, when about disclosure. And I think, you know, I mean, maybe it's a different word or uh, it's not really disclosure, but it's, there's some type of forward movement for sure. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. You know, and, uh,
0: and I do want to speak to this, and, and you can chime in too, of course. Uh, there's a lot of people. One of the reasons I did last week that timeline is so people can understand the background to all of this. And I did post recently my uh, a transcript to my Eric Davis interview, and also a transcript fra- with my interview with Leslie Kane right after the New York. Uh, Times article about the Pentagon Project came out back in December 2017. My interview was in January 2018. Leslie Kane was one of the authors, but she's one of the people who made that article happen. She was one of the Mm -hmm. driving forces to get that information out. Eric Davis, as we heard in our interview, was one of the people working on this project. He's been working towards all of this, as we heard from him, for many, many years. And I've asked all of these people... Uh, Do you feel like, you know, you were, there was some uh, other secretive. Organization that is prompting this information to come out. They've all said no. And people get really upset when I post that. And I post that look, I just do not see any evidence thus far for this disclosure conspiracy that we hear so much of the UFO community talking about. There are UFO guys doing lectures about this. What's surprising is, especially when I talk to Leslie about it, she's shocked. And you can hear this. We talk about this in that interview why are all these people making this stuff up without even talking to her about it? And, uh, and so I've talked to all of them and I just don't see it. What we see are the efforts of people like Lou, Tom DeLonge, Leslie Kane, Eric Davis, Bob Bigelow for years, working towards legitimizing this topic and now being met with success. So, uh, when people are saying, Oh, the media is controlled and you know, the media planted these stories The media didn't plant these stories. We can hear from Leslie Kane. She made that happen all on her own. She's got an entire history of being involved with this field. So Mm -hmm. um, I just think, you know, we need to give credit where credit's due. And maybe it's frustrating. Maybe you want to see some sort of cabal or you want to believe like the X-Files poster. But uh, what we have to do is follow the data and the facts. And the data and the facts, at least thus far, are not, you know, proving that to be the case or showing that. Um, so you can go read mm-hmm. those. But here's what also is uh, around the story that is really cool is that uh, you do have some other things happening. So the next two links that I have are from We Are the Mighty, which is a military website. And they're writing about the title is UFOs, Aliens, and the Navy. Oh, my. Oh, my. But they don't make fun of it in the story. They're like, wow, you know, UFOs are finally being taken seriously by the military. The next story I, I posted is from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. We posted a story from them last week, but this is a, a, a letter from a reader, uh, and it's titled Reporting of UFOs is Serious, Not Science Fiction. And essentially, this reader is saying, hey, way to go, St. Louis Post-Dispatch, for taking this seriously, because this is a serious topic, and you know most people make fun of it, and it's cool that you're taking it seriously.
1: Yeah, I've read that. That's really good. That yeah. was a good one. Mm-hmm.
0: So other stories uh, out there, there's an article that I posted from The Breeze, and it turns out it was written by a student. And uh, again, you know, I'm posting mainstream headlines, and uh, so we can see what the mainstream says about all this stuff. But this was not a very well-researched article. It's called Fact or Fiction, Area 51, and it's talking about Area 51, but it talks about how... The Pentagon, you know, the New York Times verified that UFO research is going on at Area 51. No, that's not true at all. The Pentagon is not in Area 51. The research was going on at the Pentagon, not Area 51. Interesting enough, though, and I want to know if you ever talked to Chris Mellon about this. Chris Mellon has talked about actually
1: visiting Area 51. Yeah. Yes, he did. He did talk about that and went on the interview I had with him. Mm-hmm. Do you remember I'm pretty what he sure. said? Um I think he said there was um, basically, he was saying there was nothing to. Now, this is going back, I think, a couple of years that I interviewed him, but I think he was basically saying there was really nothing to, or he did ask someone, there's really nothing to any of the uh, crash, you know, saucers being there or, or alien bodies and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's a, the exact question. I'm just paraphrasing what I remember, but I really. You know, I'd have to re-listen, actually, to understand. But I do remember him talking about Area 51.
0: Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, because he's been there. Uh, Steve Justice, of course, who's in the program, Unidentified, and one of the TTSA members, worked for Skunk Works. So, of course, he's been there. Uh, But then again, Eric Davis, I don't know if he's been there. I think maybe he said he had. But uh, what's interesting is some people might say, wait, Eric Davis said there are crash retrieval programs. But remember what he said is he heard from someone who heard from someone. So Mm -hmm. he didn't say he knows directly. And uh, this does get to something else because people have called this out. But, you know, not all of the Two the Stars people have the same opinion about stuff. Obviously, Tom has some more wild ideas than a lot of the other guys. So Otherwise mm-hmm. there are some really cool historical stories here. There's a story about Tom DeLonge and what he's up to. So lots of great headlines, but we're already out of time, buddy. Aren't we? Wow, that went fast. It does. It always wow. flies, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Well, thank you Mr. Martin Willis of Podcast UFO for joining us with the news. No, you're very welcome as always. So let's go ahead and talk to our guest this week, Kevin Day. That'll come out right after the break. So stay tuned. You're listening to Open Minds UFO Radio. I am very happy to welcome to the show Kevin Day. Hello, Kevin. How are you? Hello
2: there, Alejandro. How are you? I'm I'm doing doing pretty good. I'm doing good. good good myself.
0: Good, good. I'm so happy to have you on. And in fact, you know, I interview a lot of the people around it, but you're the first actual witness that I've talked to.
2: I'm honored honored to speak with you today
0: well I am honored to speak with you as well so I guess to start off maybe we'll just start off getting back to you know the situation back in 2004 and so at the time you were a radar operator on the Princeton correct
2: that's correct my actual job title was operations specialist and I was a senior chief petty officer at the time
0: and how long have you been doing that
2: yeah um, on the day of the 14th um November 14th, 2004 I had a little little over 18 years of actual sea time on um Spy One equipped ships wow which is a lot of sea time
0: mhm 18 years staring at
2: radars that whole time yeah staring at radars that whole time mm-hmm. radar interpretations now just just so the audience uh, understands completely um my job was basically um on bo- board the ship in combat information center where the guys at um control the radars and if need be you know where the guys that shoot the missiles and guns and control aircraft hunt for submarines and basically track everything that flies floats and swims through the water
0: mm-hmm. and how uh the equipment that you have is like very state-of-the-art right i would imagine is it updated on a regular basis
2: Absolutely, the the Spy one radar system is a phased array system, um, it looks in all directions at once, and there's, um, you know, as, as technology progresses, of course, there's been upgrades over the years, and it's an extremely capable radar system.
0: Mm-hmm, and then, so on that period of time, uh, how unique was this particular training exercise? Uh, you know, how... Odd was it that you started getting strange, you know, returns?
2: We were off the coast of San Diego, about 90 miles to the southwest, and our strike group was out there or trying to get, you know, get together out there because we had received orders to deploy a little bit early because, of of course, the war was still going on then. And it was right around the 10th of November or so, um, 2004, I started to notice these really odd contacts right off the coast of Catalina Island. And up in the Channel Islands area up, off of LA. And the reason why I say they were strange cause they appeared in groups of about five to 10 at a time. And oddly they were about 28, they were 28,000 feet and tracking due south at, a, at about a hundred knots, which is really weird because something that high in the sky would fall out of the sky going that slow normally. Um, we, I wasn't really concerned about them and no one on the watch team was concerned about them because you know, there's, there's hundreds of air contacts off the coast. And these were still well away from us, and they were benign in their behavior, and um, represented absolutely no threat to the strike group at all. And the only reason why I became um, concerned about them in the end on the 14th was because we we're getting ready to to um, conduct an air defense exercise, and there was a really good chance that these objects were going to end up in the airspace we were getting ready to do the exercise in. And so when Cap Smith came down to combat CSE, and I approached him i said you know what sir um we've been watching these contacts or i don't they're not any threat that i can tell but i am concerned about safety of flight i think i highly recommend we go up intercept one of these things and, and just see what they are because if we don't and we launch all the aircraft off the nimitz uss nimitz um and there's an error incident someone's going to ask why the hell we were so incurious about it and he said yeah, you know you're, you're right so you go ahead and intercept it
0: so that's and interesting that's, that's so you prompted that otherwise, they might not have paid attention.
2: Exactly. as a matter of fact, if there had been no air defense exercise scheduled for that morning, this whole thing probably would have never happened at least by us.
0: Uh-huh. So what is because, a protocol again, it's not a threat? Right, exactly. So what is a protocol when you notice something that's odd but it isn't a threat just to kind of ignore it or do you at least log it?
2: Yeah, we tra- track and report it. You know, uh-huh. it's all recorded. Um, it's all recorded by our computer systems and such.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And again, just so you know, Alejandro, there's you know when you're off the coast of a major country like ours, there's there's literally hundreds of um, air contacts right off the coast, or you know, directly overland.
0: Uh huh. So it's not necessarily something too strange. It's just something you don't investigate unless you have to.
2: Correct, unless it um, represents some kind of. Um, and when I say the word threat, I don't mean they're hostile. But right. It could be like an air navigation type of threat as well. Um, just you know, hitting something by accident.
0: Right. So unless gotcha. it
2: becomes unless it becomes a reason why I need to intercept it, I'll just track and report it, and leave it alone.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So uh, you, non-provocative, um, non-aggressive um, type of policy.
0: Uh-huh. So up until the fourteenth, you've tracked them uh, from the tenth to the fourteenth, but uh, the fourteenth was when you actually needed to check it out
2: that's correct and um, if I if I added up all the contacts to- and came up with a total number over that week it was right right around a hundred contacts that we encountered hmm not just one it was a you know right around hundred of
0: them-hmm were they of concern to you I mean were they did they stand out as particularly strange
2: yeah uh, absolutely um you know I had 18 years seat time myself sitting at that spy radar and everyone in combat, um, had similar, um, experiences and our entire job is to ID stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, especially on the air side of con of combat. Um, we get something on radar. Our entire purpose at that point is to identify it and determine whether it's a threat or not. Uh, none, none of us uh, felt that it was a threat, a traditional type of a threat because mm-hmm. they were, they were benign in their behavior and they, um, represented no threat to us. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, some people have uh, speculated that, you know, you're in in an area where training is conducted, that uh, it could have been, you know, some top secret training going on of of, like missiles was one of the things I'm sure you've heard this. Uh, The issue with that is, you know, is that something you run across? Do you ever run across an unknown, you know, a test being done by the United States that you're not made aware of prior Never,
2: never. In fact, in fact, that would be a violation of every training protocol that's ever been written by the military, because um, if I've got an exercise scheduled in an exercise area and someone comes on top of me and puts another exercise on top of that that I didn't know about, you tell me, could that lead to some, maybe lead to some problems? Of course, you know, I mean, there could be incidents related to it and that's just not that's just not what happens.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it a- seems... As a matter
2: of fact, it? Mm-hmm. A- go ahead.
0: No, I was going to say, yeah, on the, se- on the surface, it, that seems that that would be extremely dangerous and, and unwise. We would mm-hmm. be putting not only human lives at risk, but also, you know, the very devices that they're testing. So that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. But, you know, uh, there's been a lot of, and I'm sure you've heard it, speculation along those lines.
2: It, yeah. It, and I'm not saying it's impossible. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying if if it turns out to be true, number one, I'm going to be pretty upset about it because it was a violation of every training protocol in, in that case, especially when um, assuming that's all true and uh, assuming that they also know that um, encounters with objects, uh, UAP type objects, it affects people. Uh-huh. So f- for them to purposely do that, um it would have been extremely unwise Mm -hmm. to say the least about it.
0: Now the biggest. Uh
2: Yeah. And you know, it, it it elucidates the question. Okay. Then Kevin, what was it? And you know what my answer to that is? I, Mm -hmm. I have to tell you that I I don't know what it was to this day. I don't know what it was, but I do know what it wasn't. Mm -hmm. I I know because I was trained to figure out what it was. And I, part of the way you do that is to determine what it isn't and we did that and to this day there is still no ID on those objects mm-hmm. that, that i know about
0: well and along those lines you know there were people saying that a missile was being tested i think they even say it was a supersonic or hypersonic missile uh have you in your opinion did those returns uh, you know appear look like what a a missile like that would look like at all
2: in no way, shape, or form.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, a missile. Um, presumably, you're talking about one missile. I know we've we had over you know right around a hundred contacts,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and just the flight pro- just the flight profile alone. There's there's no way that it, it was a missile,
0: right? Because one of the things you said you noted, uh, and and you know, in the incident you talked about earlier on, how you noted them going very slow. Anything going that slow would fall out of the sky. Uh, you also had said at times that you saw them hover, and of course, missiles don't really hover or fly slowly.
2: No, they don't. Not real well.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. So you have this mystery on the fourteenth. You you talk to the captain. They scramble, or at least they didn't scramble. I guess they they you had you all uh, zero in some of the guys to go take a look.
2: Yeah, they, uh, we were getting ready to. Um Getting ready for the the start of the air defense exercise, we call it an ADEX, and so um, the Nimitz started USS Nimitz started launching aircraft, and we you know aircrafts coming up. They're doing their functional flight checks to make sure all their systems are up and operating, and um, the ADEX was scheduled to start you know in a just a, a short time later, uh, and it just happened to be Fast Eagle flight that came up first, and it was Commander Fravor and his wingman. Um, And that just happened to be the, um, aircraft that I took control of. And I just vectored them to the closest, uh, object in the sky. And that's when it all happened. It was pretty boring intercept. Actually, we went about 30 miles to get in the same piece of sky as it. And, as soon as he got to the merge merge plot position, which basically is two objects in the sky in the same vertical piece of sky, mm-hmm. and when I look at that, well, when I look at that presentation on my two dimensional um, presentation, it lo- now it looks like one object they like, uh-huh. merged together. Well, as soon as he got to that point, we had his um, comms and uh, external comms and overhead speaker and combat. All of a sudden, we hear, "Oh my God! Oh my God! I'm engaged! I'm engaged!" Um, just pooping his pants basically <laughs> like total, total, total shock, total shock. Uh-huh. And on radar, I, I watched this object. It went from 28,000 feet down to the surface of the ocean. I found out the very next day it was in point seven eight seconds, less than a second. It made that transition. Mm-hmm. Um, no sonic booms. Um, so he, no, he's very curious now. So of course he leaves, he leaves his wingman up at altitude. And he wants to go down and take a look at it. So he goes, he follows it down and, um, the thing reacts to him, avoids him, and he goes straight back up into the sky, twenty-eight thousand feet, and continues tracking south at a hundred knots, as if nothing interesting had happened. The object, it, you know, it kind of, re- it kind of, it kind of reacted like it just wanted to be left the hell alone.
0: Oh, gotcha! Yeah, it like kind
2: of. It's like here I am, almost like a, almost like a flock of birds would react. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reason why I say flock of birds because there was other aircraft that had been launching off the carrier by then. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And we we share all of our radar data on uh, data links, and so now all the other air crews are seeing these contacts on the data links. And next thing I know, I've got uh, a whole bunch of intercepts happening in the sky above us. And at one pot, at one point, Alejandro, this um, it actually appeared to me it was actually raining UFOs. These things were dropping out of the sky, pew 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 pew, all down to fifty feet or so. When was and this? As soon as the air crews say again, please.
0: When was that?
2: That's on the 14th. It says, okay. um, th- there was more than one intercept conducted. It wasn't just Commander Fravor. There was other intercepts as well. As a matter of fact, that at Fleer video that's uh, pretty pretty famous, Commander Fravor didn't actually, um, is not the one that filmed that. It was a um, It was a follow-on intercept that happened. Mm-hmm. Was, and, you know, it was actually, it was raining UFOs. And every one of these things, um, as soon as the air crews went back up to altitude, these objects all went back up into the sky at twenty eight thousand feet. Continued tracking south at a hundred knots. Mm-hmm. It was extremely bizarre.
0: How many intercepts were there?
2: Uh, that's a good question, and uh, I'm hoping the radar data st- still exists somewhere so we can finally answer that question.
0: Uh-huh.
2: I was actually um, be- I was a supervisor for the um, Commander Fravor intercept. As a matter of fact, strangely enough, it was my very last intercept in the Navy.
0: Oh wow! And also
2: my very last, also my very last under uh, underway in the navy. I was getting ready to retire.
0: Oh wow!
2: But there was probably um, to answer the question. There's probably um, between five and eight intercepts that happened total that day.
0: Wow! And it, in each of those, there is a pilot and what their navigator in in the plane. So you're talking about at least ten individuals. Would that be true? That yeah. The, you-
2: Mm-hmm. That w- that would be a good number. You got the pilot, and then you got the the wizzo, the weapon system operator in the back He's mm-hmm. actually controlling the radars and the weapons. Um, so two two per su- two p- uh, people per Super Hornet. So uh, multiplied by five, you know, five aircraft at a minimum. So that's ten people. Plus we had a uh, airborne E two Hawkeye that also saw the objects vis- visually. Uh-huh. The flight crew on the Hawkeye saw it as well. Saw them as well.
0: So essentially, I mean, we've only heard. We haven't even heard half the story yet. I mean, we've heard from Fravor. That's true. Uh, some of the other witnesses, uh, but we haven't heard from all the pilots and details on all the intercepts.
2: That's very true. Mm-hmm. There's a much larger story here that's still coming out. Now, and they, I have to
0: give uh-huh. a shout out to Dave?
2: I have to give a shout out to Dave Beatty on that one because because mm-hmm. of his film called The Nimitz Encounters. Yeah. On YouTube. Um. Slowly but surely, almost almost every week now, more and more people are starting to come out.
0: Yeah, yeah, and Dave, his video is is incredible. It's so well done. I mean, uh, when you watch that video, do you feel that it, the accuracy is is it's pretty right on?
2: It, yeah, it is. It's extremely well done. In fact, I helped him um, as a subject matter expert um, during the development of it in mm-hmm. terms of some of the uh, the comms and the. Um, the way CIC operates and, um, the way that we conduct, uh, strike group, uh, strike group air defense procedures. Mm-hmm. It's extremely well done video. As a matter of fact, if you go to YouTube right now, you won't find it because, um, what? Due, to, due, due to well, due to some legal challenges, he um, removed it off YouTube and he, he's updating it. And when he puts it back up there, it's going to be about three times as long as it was. And it's now going to include interviews of some of the witnesses, including myself.
0: Oh great. So it'll just be better than ever. So
2: it's, it's gonna be better than ever, yeah. And he's he's gonna just so you know, he's gonna um be timing um the 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 update of that video with the history channel um program coming out on May thirty first called Unidentified.
0: Great. Which That's- I'm also
2: which I'm also in.
0: Mm-hmm. That's really good news. That's really smart of him, too, because I think that that show is going to generate a tremendous amount of of interest, personally. Um, I do, too. So, with, what do you think, in this situation, like seeing Dave's film and everything, what inspires people to come forward?
2: I think, you know... I, <laughs> I can't really answer that question for everyone else, but I can tell you what happened to me. I was, I was down at the golf course um, just over a year ago now, our local golf course, and I've been volunteering down there for some time, about four years, trying to save it from bankruptcy. I was down there, I was at, we, I just helped open, reopen the kitchen and restaurant, and I was down there waiting tables for free. And for whatever reason, we had CNN on the TV, normally the golf channel's on. And um, all of a sudden I see this video, the the famous at Flir video And I actually dropped the full plate of food. I was in, I was dumbfounded. I said, Oh my God, wow. I know that video and uh-huh. it really shook me.
0: Uh-huh. And, and so <clears throat> when you saw that video, what, when you saw the video, did you I, also, I, 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 uh-huh.
2: I, I, I instantly knew what I had to do. I, I knew instantly that I had to come out and support mm-hmm. commander freighter.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Cause that was my intercept.
0: Right. Amazing. So getting back to that intercept, uh, or at least that day, uh, you know, you heard that excitement in Fravor's voice, you said, when he said, uh, you know, he was engaged with it. Was that a unique experience? I mean, do you do you ever hear, uh, it's, it sounds like you're familiar with Fravor, but is it is it often you hear pilots get excited like that over something like this?
2: Uh, no, um, no, 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 no. It's, it's usually more... Um, Protocol based and Thomas brevity based. He he. You could you could hear the true astonishment in his voice and shock.
0: Mm hmm. Now there's another flare video out there you've probably seen in that group that was released in the three and uh, the pilots are kind of cussing. They're really excited. You know they're able to track the object the and like woohoo.
2: Yeah, the gimbal video that was mm-hmm. off the coast of Virginia, I believe, um, in 2015. Now uh, you know. I, mm-hmm. Apparently, this has been happening for quite a
0: while. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, I've been in this for a while. In fact, you know, I argue that not just our government, but that uh, other governments, this is the most common sort of occurrence is when there are these objects seen uh, typically on radar. Jet scrambled, uh, they kind of have a cat and mouse sort of thing, and then the things take off at an incredible speed, and that's it. And, uh, I mean, we've seen this. There's plenty of Blue Book files on this. Uh, Chile has talked about this. Uh, many other countries have had these similar experiences for many years.
2: Yeah, and that was actually part of my concern and part of the reason. I'm, and I knew when, – when I saw this thing on CNN, I knew instantly what I had to do in – and I knew instantly what my concerns were too, because I don't think these things are a threat in the traditional, in the traditional way, but let's imagine Mm -hmm. what happened to us out there. Let's imagine, let's just imagine that same scenario happened off the coast of Iran, for example, when I really did have missiles on the rails, you know, it could have turned out a lot differently than it did that day. Right. Just out of accident, just, you know, starting a war just from an accident Mm -hmm. or, um, a misinterpretation of the radar or a misinterpretation of the object's intent. Right. That's, that, that's the threat right there. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's an asymmetric type of threat. It's not a, it's not a direct, if they wanted to kill us, if they wanted to harm us, they sure could have, I'll Mm. tell you that there was nothing I could have done. There's nothing I could have done about it. Right. Shoot the missile at them Wouldn't have done any good.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting you say this because there have been other radar operators and others in the military have said the same thing over the years too. Is that you know that's why we need to pay attention to this because, um, for the exact same reasons you're talking about uh,
2: now. Yeah, and that, and that was that was been part of my motivation over the last year. We were trying to, um, and we were successful. Obviously, we um, just a, a groundswell of support of people like myself and. this this thing's been worked pretty hard behind the scenes by a bunch of us. And we were trying to get where our goal was to go to Congress and convince the Navy to change the policy. But, um, I never had to go. It's apparently, um, to the stars Academy orchestrated all of that. And although I do feel vindicated that it's, it's happened because that was my goal too. I, I wanted the Navy to acknowledge the existence of UAP to, just confirm the fact that they're out there, mm-hmm. and, and and as you've seen, they didn't have to disclose anything by doing that. They all they did was con- acknowledge the fact that they're there. And right. That's, that's that was my goal.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, it's Fra- real. It's a- yeah. It's it's happening. And Fra- Fravor said yep. he saw was you know tic tac shaped, and the other witnesses you know along with that encounter that you were involved with. In these other incidents, uh, where there were other intercepts, were there other witnesses who described a, a similar object?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, on the the Nimitz event, you know, all the all the pilots described the pilots that did see him all. As far as I know, have all described it the same way. Mm-hmm. And in fact, um, when we got back to um, got back to San Diego uh, uh, shortly after we were done at sea, there. We had a little symposium there at uh, 32nd Street Naval Station, and I talked to Commander Fravor, and that's the first time I heard the word tic-tac. Even back in 2004, that's how he was describing those objects. Mm -hmm. He said, well, he said, Senior Chief, look just like a giant tic-tac. No doors, no windows, no um, airfoils, no exhaust. Um, If you can imagine a giant white tic-tac, that's exactly what, what it looked like.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's so incredible. Now, uh, I guess we're almost out of time for this first segment. So what I'll do is let's okay. go ahead and we'll go to break and then we'll come back and we'll talk some more about this. But, yeah, the time flies because I do want to talk more about, you know, how important uh, this is that the Navy's acknowledging that this is real. And uh, kind of like you said, you said you felt vindicated. Okay. Yeah, so we'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, so those of you listening on a radio station, you're going to hear some commercials. For the rest of you listening to the podcast, you'll hear a short musical interlude, and then we will be back with this great interview. I'm having such a fun time talking to... Kevin Day here, one of the uh, witnesses at the 2004 Nimitz encounter, which, as he mentioned, will be featured on this unidentified television show on the History Channel. And I've seen at least the first episode. And it is really, really good. I really liked it. I think it's going to be really shocking to people to see the credibility. Uh, I don't. There's no television show that has brought together this level of uh, credible people uh, to talk about this topic. So it's really exciting. So we'll be back in just a second. Hang tight. Welcome back to Open Mind GFO Radio. This is your host, Alejandro Rojas, and we're here with Kevin Day. So, Kevin, you know, uh, one of the things in the leaked Nimitz report that uh, had come out, uh, I'm assuming you've seen that report. George Knapp had leaked it? George Knapp,
2: yeah, George Knapp um, made us all aware of it.
0: Mm -hmm. And what do you think? Does that look accurate? Does that look like a real document to you? Some people have questioned whether or not it was real or not.
2: It definitely captured what happened,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but the origin of it and some of the um, folks portrayed in it um, have yet to be identified. Gotcha. Because you know some of the some of the names were redacted,
0: mm-hmm. so you know, just blacked out in it. But do you question whether or not it's it's fake or not?
2: Uh, it it didn't. It, it didn't appear to me to, to be fake. Okay. But I, I actually don't know.
0: Okay. One of the sections there's in the, it... Well, the
2: weird, the weird, thing, the weird mm-hmm. thing about it, Alejandro, is, you know, after this happened, there's, I've since learned that apparently some of the crew members on um, both the per- Princeton and the Nimitz had to sign non-disclosure agreements, and some people were told not to talk about this. Mm-hmm. But I, I never had to sign anything, and I was never told not to talk about anything so okay. the fact that there was a paper done on it kind of surprised me. Right. Um, that was probably the surprising part on it. I just had figured it was forgotten about.
0: hmm Now, one of the things that that document describes is a level of ridicule, you know, that there were some uh, guys, you know, wearing some aluminum hats, you know, who debriefed the, the pilots, and and it really concerned the pilots and others, you know, that, that they were – People were making fun of it. Did you see that? Uh, did that really happen? Did you recognize that?
2: I I know for a fact it happened over on the USS Nimitz, but that did not happen on the Princeton. No one was clowning us. Um, because people were people were up watching these objects um, through the big eye binoculars, and the people who did have com- um, access to CIC Combat Information Center. They actually saw them with their own eyes, so there wasn't the level of ridicule that was, um, or it didn't really, there, That all happened on the Nimitz, which is you know there's heck, there's what five thousand people on that on that on that ship, and um, not everyone has access to what's happening. So they just, for whatever reason, they they started playing reruns of X Files and uh, <laughs> all the old UFO movies that have come out over time, and yeah, they they received a lot of ridicule. Which is part of the reason why the Navy changed its policy, I'm sure.
0: Right, exactly, and that's kind of what I'm getting at, is that, you know, the Navy kind of, uh, it seems, and I'd love to hear your opinion, by the Navy not acknowledging the phenomena, or at least that, the you know, the higher-ups taking it seriously, that kind of lends to people feeling um, sort of strange about it, and I guess the one reaction is when people are uncomfortable is to make fun of something, uh, and hopefully then... Uh, these new protocols will keep that from happening.
2: I believe it I believe it will. Mm-hmm. I believe it I believe that's exactly what happened and hopefully the new protocols will actually prevent a major accident from happening. I mean and, there was an mm-hmm. article in the paper just today about um the British believing that um with this current tensions in Iran that's happening. hmm We just we just sent the Abraham Lincoln strike group over there. Um they're concerned just from sheer accident, it could, a war could be started that no one really wants. And that's why that's one of the reasons why I was happy the Navy changed their policy because maybe it will prevent that from ever happening in um, in terms of an uh, airspace that also contains UAPs.
0: Mm-hmm. How did you feel, like being a part of this, uh, did you ever, well, I guess you retired soon after, but did you ever feel embarrassed or made fun of, or did you feel not supported by the Navy uh, when this all occurred?
2: Uh, no, not by the Navy. Well, You know, I, I uh, transferred to um, Naval Air Pack right across uh, the bay there in San Diego over on Coronado Island, and I did two years there. And I, you know, I tried to talk to people about this and tell people about it. But, um, at the time, no one really—I I got the sense no one really believed me. And you know how how could they really? Yeah. You know, they weren't there. They didn't see it. So I, I went ahead and retired, and it, um, I started having these really um, disturbing dreams. All of a sudden, out, out of the blue, too, like eschatological type dreams, like end of the world type disaster dreams. Really. Now the dreams themselves didn't. The dreams themselves didn't really bug me. Everyone has nightmares but the, remember them the next day did cause it started to create a lot of anxiety. I started to experience acute anxiety and I was, you know, this whole time I was still attempting to tell, you know, like close friends and family members about what happened. Mm-hmm. So out of frustration, mostly I sat down and I wrote a, I wrote a story about it. it ca- I call it, I called it the seer, not the seer, but the seer. And yeah. I wrote a couple other, um, short stories and I put them together a in, into a book called sailors anthology and I published it in the library of Congress. And my idea at the time was, Hey, I'm going to publish this, an account, a fictionalized account of what happened just in case this ever becomes public that my book here can provide some contemporaneous evidence that this really did indeed happened. Mm-hmm. And you know what, Alejandro, that's exactly what's happened. Yeah. My, my book is now considered evidence.
0: And how do people get that is that book publicly available?
2: Yeah, you can google uh, Sailors Anthology Book 1 and it's right there. I forget the name of the um, the hosting company, but you can download it for free. And okay. I I'll, I'll also send you a copy of it and you can post it.
0: Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, cuz p- uh, a p- PDF, PDF uh,
2: PDF form.
0: Okay. Great. Yeah, I found it here, which is really cool. So that's such a great service for you. I mean, I would even say you might want to get it printed and uh um sell them just so you can uh recoup a little Yeah, there you, know, you and on
2: that note I'm on that note I'm actually writing a new book. Um Okay. Kinda gets into my career my my career and uh, the tic tac encounter from A to Z and also the effects this thing has had on me personally, post encounter is all gonna be in my new book. Mhm. Yeah. And I've been working on it for a while.
0: Well that's really cool that there's you're sharing you that. Way.
2: There's a, there's a much larger story here than mm-hmm. people have heard so far.
0: So and and what do you feel that that larger st- story kind of entails?
2: Um how it's affected everyone. Mhm. Um uh, I, I have to I have to presume that I wasn't the only one affected by this that was there and witnessed it. Um you know, and then this this whole thing is that what we're talking about now was all has been known for some time. Um, Jacques Vallée and Dr. Eric Davis—they did a paper um, some time ago. I forgot the the year they did it. It is called the um, Incommensurability of High Strangeness. And basically, what that paper does—it's a—it's a basically a blueprint for conducting field research on um, unknown air phenomenon, UAP, uh, UFOs, and part of the. Um, part of the effects on humans that's been noted for decades now is there's physiological effects on people and there's also mental effects on people just from just from encountering these things.
0: And that's an interesting, I mean, for you, for instance, I I know when I kind of way back in the day, kind of really, I don't even know what it was, but I do remember the feeling of where when I really kind of uh, surrendered to the idea that there could be something out there, we don't know what it is coming here. And it was impactful. Uh, I could change it. I could almost feel my brain bending, uh, you know, uh, and, and changes going on in my thought processes. Is is that kind of how you felt? Did it change your worldview?
2: Yeah, and you know, when I, I um, retired in 2008 and I started to... I got a really good job with a defense contractor, and but I started having started having personal problems in my life. Um, mm-hmm. Started with the dreams, and just one thing led to another. My work started to suffer, but for me, I never related it back to the Tic Tac incident at all. I thought I was just having trouble transitioning back into becoming a civilian, and maybe I was having some um, some type of psychosis, or maybe even PTSD. And that's actually when I actually did go to the VA. That's what I was diagnosed with. Um, uh, they call it a complex case of PTSD. Mm. Um, in fact, I didn't even I didn't even suspect that my issues were um, in the changes in me physically and mentally, which were quite profound. I didn't relate it back to the Tic Tac incident until I was visited in 2015 by a couple of spooks at my house that left me enough hints which were later confirmed by Lou Elizondo last summer, that, yeah, they came to see you, Kevin, because of the tic-tac, and they were trying to um, determine whether or not you were still sane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I started laughing. Because one of the things that, Shakate, uh, who was one of the guy's names, um, he told me, "Say, said, Kevin, right before he left, he said, Kevin, you are incredibly important to what's about to happen.
0: Hmm.
2: And that's the last thing he ever said to me. And he was right. But, you know, I wasn't... This None of this made sense until sometime later. And only just in the last year I was able to figure this all out. Mhm. Much to my relief, by the way, because maybe I'm not crazy after all. <laughs> right. Entirely entirely normal, in fact.
0: Yeah. In fact, it could be, uh, you know, in a way, you're just ahead of the curve. You are more aware of uh, kind of our, our state of reality than, than others...
2: Yeah, I, I don't think it was an accident that this thing happened when and how it did. Mm-hmm. These things were these whatever this whatever this phenomenon is, Alejandro. Not only is it real, but there these objects are also aware. They are intelligent and they seem to be prescient as well. Mm-hmm. One of the things that happened during Commander Fravers' intercept is um. We have a, a a point in the sky that's called a combat air patrol station, and basically it's just a loiter point in the sky for air crews until we give them a vector to go look at something. They can just kind of hang out in that spot. Right. Well, this object uh, was about 40 miles away or so, and this object disappeared right in front of him and, rea- and instantly reappeared at his cap station. Mm-hmm. Now, how in the hell did that thing know where his cap station was? It's a classified point in the sky that no one knows about.
0: Had they already been at the cap, or were they going there later?
2: They hadn't been there yet. Hmm. No, because we um, we took them. They were just due south of the carrier, and I uh, vectored them about forty miles away to the object. Mm-hmm. And they hadn't they hadn't gone to their cap station yet. Mm-hmm. In fact, no one had. This object was the first one to go there.
0: Who knows where the cap is? Uh, do they have it plugged into their systems at all? Y- at, at that point, yeah. They,
2: yeah it's all it's it's in their displays on board the aircraft and also it's in our message traffic when we do a, a big exercise we'll of course publish a message and all of those points will so, be um, listed in the message traffic, which is secret message traffic
0: mm-hmm.
2: so presumably if these objects had access to our secret message traffic, they would have known where it was
0: right. So that's one of the places they could have somehow access to, to know that. But it is, I mean, out of all the places in the, you know, over, over where you are a coincidental. There could be a lot
2: more prosaic explanation than other than they're pressing it. I, I acknowledge that.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Although, but the odds are pretty, uh, pretty, you know, that of all places that this thing would decide to kind of go zoom over to, uh, that it would be a significant location that that you know that these guys are all yeah be at, it's, kinda,
2: to. it's kind of there if they were trying to send a message they accomplished it
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah really interesting so with Lou Elizondo and and I bring this up just because there are uh, you know not really by mainstream that I've seen so much but uh, by others and and I'm sure others you've talked to as well People questioning uh, whether he really did investigate UFOs with uh, the Pentagon. Um, do you have any questions? I, I, do you have uh, any suspicions?
2: Absolutely zero. I've met both uh, Lou Elizondo and Tom DeLong. They came to my house um, last summer now. Mm-hmm. And um, I found them both to be entirely credible and incredibly sincere and, ex- and extremely dedicated to what they were trying to do
1: mm-hmm
0: right
2: um you, you can count me a fan definitely
0: mm-hmm yeah i think that's one of the things it's, it's what well, and it's it's good to have some healthy skepticism uh but at some point you know you oh, do, you do have to let the the data lead you in the direction and uh you know meeting these guys and their enthusiasm is is what's really exciting too
2: yeah and you know skepticism is fine but if you if you're skeptical to the up to the point of being obtuse, then you've taken it too far.
0: Right, right. That's a very good way to put it. I think. So, how when you first saw this announcement from the Navy, how did it make you feel? Just you, what was? It's only been a week or two. I,
2: I'm pretty emotional, kind of guy. I actually started crying.
0: Hmm. I could see it. I mean, mm-hmm. I could. I to me, if I were one of you all, the witnesses. Uh, That, to me, would be a very uh, impactful moment, just because...
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, because, you know, my whole family is is watching me go through these changes. My old colleagues, my old friends are like, what the hell happened to Kevin? (laughs) Well, I've vindicated now.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, did you share these stories before?
2: I tried to. Mm -hmm. You know, I tried to um but you know who's really gonna listen to you it, yeah kevin you intercepted a ufo sure you know <laughs> right they wouldn't say that necessarily but i could i could read it mm-hmm. in their eyes and their mannerisms mm-hmm. and i didn't really blame them
0: right yeah i hear you i mean it's a hard thing
2: it's a hard it's a hard thing to believe you know yeah
0: it really is and i think people just don't know how to react
2: yeah or they don't know how they don't know what to say how to react, and. Mm-hmm had a head full of questions about
0: it, you know? Yeah. So, and I'm sure you have a lot of pride for your career in the Navy and, I, uh, uh, that you think, you know, that you, um, are proud of your affiliation with the Navy. Uh, so Absolutely. an acknowledgement from the Navy that you're not crazy. You experienced something that's, that's really genuinely strange that we can't figure out must be really important.
2: Uh, yeah. It, it was a goal i was after it's it's been accomplished mhm yeah what, and that's what's a, next for us for uh-huh. me i don't know but um you know and as a matter of fact i have to say this mm-hmm. if this is my 15 minutes of fame i'm happy with that I'm, <laughs> i could easily i could easily fade away and go back to my quiet life it wouldn't bother me at all
0: uhhuh <laughs> yeah you've had you accomplished your goal it's just a, an acknowledgement yeah. that you know yeah you're not crazy yeah, that it, this is something that happened i mean
2: you think about it in terms of You know, there's a huge difference between um, confirmation and disclosure. Mm -hmm. Huge difference. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Describe those differences in your mind.
2: Well, I'll put it this way. In terms of that we confirm the existence of nuclear weapons, but we can't confirm nor deny that we have any. That Mm -hmm. would be disclosure. Gotcha. It's the same way with this phenomenon. Yeah, we confirmed that it's there, but we can't confirm nor deny we know what it is. That would be disclosure. Mm-hmm. And what's happened now is the Navy has confirmed they exist. So confirmation has happened. Mm-hmm. That's a huge. That's a huge success.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: As it, far as I know, that's never happened before.
0: No, I mean it hasn't. It's it's shocking, and it's you know, uh, to me, it, it's it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's completely shocking, and it's huge. And like you said, you know, To the Stars had a lot to do with that, which is another funny they thing. They sure
2: did. I'm so proud of those guys.
0: Yeah, and you. You all, all of you credible witnesses coming real, forward.
2: I was a real minor part of that. They, they, those guys did 99.99999% of that work, believe me.
0: Well, they couldn't have done it really without hard. you all stepping forward. I don't think. I mean, uh, they well, thank they, you for that. The Navy yeah. even acknowledged that you know all of the these yeah, credible people you. coming forward, our guys coming forward, you know, so that that you know gave them the uh, the something to work with. So,
2: you know, at the same time, without without the help of two of the stars, I I don't think I, I eventually would have maybe accomplished that, but it would have taken a hell of a lot longer. And right. I was working on it. It was, I've, we had people coming out, Dave Beatty and I have um, connected with a lot of the shipmates that have seen this, and we were getting ready to go to Congress and tell them, and hopefully have them change the policy, but it's already happened. Mm-hmm. Our work's been done.
0: So did you have a bunch of people get a hold of you, friends or family, or, or after the Navy made that announcement?
2: Oh yeah, my Facebook pages
0: exploded. <laughs> yeah. And what were they saying?
2: Congrats! Hang in there. Keep it up.
0: Mm-hmm. We're, we're proud of you. Were you shocked by some of the people who contacted you?
2: I'm hearing from people I hadn't heard of, heard from in you know, 15 years. Wow! And it's re- that's really a cool part of this story. Just the reconnect with a bunch of people.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: A, a lot of my former shipmates. I mean, that's really, really cool.
0: Mm-hmm. That is so incredible. So you plan to at least, you know, continue on with your book. You're going to you're going to update that and, and get that out there. And uh, I guess what are your plans for the future?
2: Well, I'm kind of chocked and blocked here for the next several months because, you know, History Channel's coming out at the end of this month. Mm-hmm. And I've also been interviewed by Discovery Channel. And I was just last week interviewed by the Science Channel. Oh great And they're all doing They're all doing A docuseries On the same subject And I will appear In all those Cable cable TV shows
0: Mm -hmm. Well I hope They all do A a good job with it Because it is You know People get worried There's been a lot Of people thinking Oh my gosh You know uh, To the stars Is going to work With the same people The same television You know Channel that's working With ancient aliens They're going to mess it up But I have seen Like I said That first episode Have you been able To watch it yet?
2: I haven't. They're holding it back from me for some reason. I'm okay, you know, and I'm They're okay with. I haven't with asked them. to see it or any. I haven't asked to see it or anything. Yeah. Because if it gets leaked, I don't. I don't want to be on that suspect list. I mean, exactly. I, I told Lou. I told Lou a long time ago. I said, "Hey, Lou, man. I know. You know, you got my support. In fact, please don't tell me anything. I don't need to know because if it gets leaked, I don't want you to suspect it was me. <laughs> right. So I, I know that of, feeling. I've, I've kind of left them alone. You know, I've left them alone pretty much.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and that makes sense. And, and, I mean, I have it and a few of us in the media have it just because they, they you know, we often get early looks, but, you know, uh, so we can write reviews. But they they trust us because they've done this for us in the past, too. And, you know, you get... Uh,
2: you mentioned Ancient Aliens, and they wanted to interview me, too. But I was like,
0: mm, I can't. You know, like,
2: mm-hmm. why I can't you? I said, because there's people counting on me to keep the credibility of the story mm-hmm. high. Yeah. And I don't want to associate this story with anything that's really, that's, um,
0: questionable. I
2: mean, there's been some shows on H and aliens or they're really, really highly speculative.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I, I just wanted to stay away from that. I didn't want to, um, do anything to damage the credibility of this story mm-hmm. whatsoever.
0: That makes sense. And, uh, I think some people question, well, then why are you talking to these other people? But, uh, I, Personally, don't feel that uh, this History Channel show, at least from this first episode that comes out, it's going to damage the credibility. I think it's going to do the opposite when you have people like uh, I do too, yeah, Chris Mellon and too. and Lou Elizondo, you know, championing this thing, and then the high credibility of all of you witnesses. It's a uh, it's a really exciting yeah, there's
2: time. there's other uh, other witnesses that have come out that are on that show. I've heard that haven't come out public. This will be their first uh, their first public appearance, I guess.
0: Right. Right.
2: You can probably confirm that, but um, yeah, there's. I've I've had a lot of people that have seen it tell me it's incredibly well done. Yeah, and I hope it's true because. Yeah, I hope it's true.
0: (laughs) It is. I think that they that they'll do you proud. I I think it's great. So, and uh, I was worried, but. You know what? Thank you so much for joining the show. We're pretty much out of time. But also, you know, thank you for for having the uh, courage to come forward because not everybody does, especially in your position. Most don't. And uh, I personally, you know, from looking at all of this material, sure, there was Chris and Lou and others behind the scenes. Because they knew who to talk to. But uh, if it wasn't for you witnesses that, uh, you know, willing to step forward, that they could say, hey, look, here's the guys who were involved. Here's what they've told us. This is the real deal. You know, uh, and I know you get the sense, too. And, and I believe this through looking at this, the, the history, that when the Air Force or the Navy poo-poo UFO stories, uh, there's a lot of uh, talk in the background. They don't like, you know, not backing up their people. And uh, I think there's some pride involved here. Where you know we're going to back our guys. If our guys uh, have a strange experience, too. we're going to we're going to look yep. into this and take them seriously. And the Navy's I think,
2: a great or Navy is a great organization. Mm-hmm. Yep, they do definitely care about their people. I'll tell you that.
0: So it's just wonderful to see this new kind of movement to taking this stuff seriously. And I think it's going to lead to some important stuff. And we all have to come here, right? I mean, we all have to as a as a society accept. That uh, it's okay to look into stuff that we don't, that might be a little strange to us to, to figure out, you know, more about uh, our world, the world we live in.
2: It's happening. Whether the world wants it or not, it's its happening now. Mm-hmm. Cat's out of the bag on this.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We'll definitely have to talk to you again in the future. My honor. And I can't wait to meet you in person
2: yeah let's do this again after some more news breaks and it's about to there's been i've been interviewed by a a major newspaper um and I won't even hint who it was but it's uh-huh. yeah there's a there's a lot of stuff happening all right it's all about to happen or people are about to find out about it sort of that way
0: that is awesome good to hear i know it's a it's a really exciting time thank you sir thank you. you have a great one and thank you again so much for coming on all right Aloha. Thank you so much to Kevin Day for joining us on the show. You know, there was a question I wanted to ask him, and others have, of course, you know, he's done quite a few interviews. But uh, and others have talked about this, but uh, he did say that the radar, CEC, and comms, the communications recordings from that whole event uh, there at the Nimitz were confiscated. So someone came on board and took those away. So that is sort of interesting. So even though I talk about, you know, we don't have evidence of this major conspiracy kind of pulling the strings behind the events that are occurring, uh We do have evidence that somebody's collecting information. We don't know who exactly, but people are collecting information on these topics. And remember that Lou Elizondo has told us that the Pentagon program that he was a part of still exists today. So that organization is still ongoing and that there are other organizations. So who knows where, what, who, and when. Uh, We also have to remember often these things get very siloed. Of course, we've learned this from John Alexander as well. So it doesn't mean that all these organizations share information with each other. The other thing to remember is that, uh, you know, Elizondo, even though this program going on, he says that he doesn't even know what the new name of the program, they changed their name from ATIP to something else. So there are people collecting information. Hopefully, like Lewis told us before, they will be sharing that information publicly in the future, at least what they can share that isn't classified. So we'll see... What's going on? Like Kevin says, we have an interesting future ahead of us in all of this information. So, I've got links below to the books and the information that Kevin talked about if you want to check some of that stuff out. And uh, keep an eye out for Unidentified. It's a really good show that starts on uh, May 31st. So, and like I said, we'll have Lou soon after that first show to uh, talk on the air. Also, I want to say congratulations to David Marler. Some of you saw uh, that I posted some pictures in my social media. That's where I was this weekend in Albuquerque for David Marler's wedding. David Marler is the guy who wrote the book about triangular UFOs. Uh, Really cool guy. Uh, We've talked about him recently as well because he's been in the news and he was also uh, talked out here at Phoenix MUFON fairly regularly or recently. But uh, always check him out. He's definitely a very credible Place or credible reference for information on this topic. Otherwise, the International UFO Congress, of course, is coming up. We've got tickets uh, that are posted. Tickets are out there, so check that out. Until July 31st, you'll get discounted prices. You'll see the early bird specials, essentially. So go to ufocongress.com to see that. Also, you'll also notice that there are more and more speakers being listed. So check that on a regular basis. In fact, if you want to see us too, any of you that are going to be in Oregon at McMinnville, uh, Karen and I will be there. Essentially, Actually, we're just going to check it out, so we won't have a booth that you can come and visit. But keep an eye out for us and say hello, and uh, you could probably see us hanging out with some of our buddies, like Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I haven't been there before to that, but people say it's always a lot of fun. So we're excited to check that out this weekend. So hopefully we'll see some of you there. Um Also, finally, my Patreon. So, of course, I've been asking you all to go to my Patreon and become a member. You know, you can do so for as little as a buck a month. And many, many of you have been doing that. So, thank you all so, so much for that. In fact, I'll look it up and I'll say hey to some of you uh, who have joined recently but uh, there are some posts there that uh, are exclusive for you all so only you all can see that and in fact I posted on there a t-shirt that I have from Roswell last year and this is a giveaway so I'm going to do this I have to be careful with the wording on Patreon so essentially what I'll do is I'll put up a featured item that uh you only the patrons can see and what that featured item is really is a giveaway. So if you like it, you know, if it's the right size, for instance, this is a large t-shirt. If you wear a large and you like the t-shirt, make a comment in that Patreon patron thing and uh, then uh, those in a couple days I'll choose a winner from everybody who says hey I like that I want it and uh, so I'll send that to you and I'll continue to do this on a regular basis I have more t-shirts and I got more cool stuff that I'll be giving away uh, over the next few weeks and months and I'll probably continue to get cool stuff so I'll always continue to give stuff away but that's just a thank you to all of the patrons who are helping me out here and of course some of you might say hey man why don't you give it away to everybody. Well, it's easy to become a patron. Just go over to the Patreon site, become a patron for as little as a buck a month, and you'll be in the loop. Not only that, I'm sharing cool audio and video from the different cool stuff that we do. So you can be sure that I will be sharing some cool stuff from this weekend at the McMinnville McManagus, I think that's what it's called McManabus, something like that, uh, Oregon UFO Festival. Otherwise, I want to thank Caleb Hanks for the opening and closed music. I want to thank uh, Systematics for the bumper music. And I want to thank Martin Willis of Podcast UFO for joining us with the news. And, of course, as usual, I want to thank you for joining us once again. As I talked about earlier in the show, we've got some exciting interviews lined up. So uh, we'll be talking to you next week. Until next time, adios muchachos. Hello, this is a little added bonus that I'm adding on to the end of the show here. Uh, this is being recorded right before I post it uh, because uh, there is a big piece of news that just happened, which is that my good friend and the patriarch of ufology, Stan Friedman, uh, passed away today. It's a very sad day. Um, for me, he was a mentor. Uh, an inspiration. Um, of course, if you've listened to my podcast over the years, uh, Stan and I debated about some things, but what was wonderful about Stanton is that he loved to debate. He really, when we, I first started sharing that, you know, um, I had a different perspective than his on things like the MJ-12 documents. You know, he was excited. Well, let's debate about it. Let's talk about it. You know, he loved that. And he did what we try to do at the Open Minds UFO Group, which is try to debate or be open to various points of view and to debate uh, these things without, you know, being cruel to one another while still respecting one another. And I think that that is uh, very important and uh, that that is a lesson that I hope we all can learn is that, you know, we all have different perspectives. Some of my best friends in this field, all of my best friends in this field, some of them I have, you know, slightly different views. Some of them I have greatly differing views and that's okay. It doesn't mean we need to demonize or be cruel to one another. We can still talk about these things and debate our facts and points and respect each other. For having different points of view, just like Stanton Friedman did, and uh, Stan Friedman, it was just uh, a wonderful person for so many reasons. Uh, I think we're just extremely we we were extremely lucky to have him. Uh, my sympathies go to his family uh, and his friends, uh, of which you know many of my regular guests uh, are, because uh, we he's like you know. Almost like family. We see each other at so many of these different events and uh, spend time with one another, help one another, go through uh, hard times sometimes with one another. And uh, he'll just be greatly, greatly missed by myself. And I know, uh, you know, the entire community and uh, we've lost uh, a major leader. I'm wearing my Alan J. Hynek shirt and uh, I never got to meet. Dr. Alan J. Hynek, but I did get to spend a lot of time with, uh, with Stanton Friedman, who is another legend in this build and he'll be remembered that way. And, uh, you know, I think at these times we just have to remember how lucky we were to have so much time with, uh, you know, these, these people uh, who pass and, and, I wanted to make sure and make that note on this very sad but very special day of remembrance and uh, celebration of a wonderful person that uh, we were all very lucky to have.